fossils don't speak. And if they do, you should probably go see a psychiatrist, right? <laughs> like if, if you have bones talking to you, that's probably, yeah. that's probably a problem. They're probably speaking the language yeah. you speak too. Welcome to Reform Dads, where all things are for dads, through dads, and to dads, and also the aspiring husband and father. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries. Today, I got my man, Rob Rocket Robbie Webb with us. I'm very excited about having him on the show. And uh, yeah, so let's uh, go ahead and get into it, man. How was your week? It was good, man. Did uh, back-to-back outreaches. Did a strip club outreach on Friday, and then we went out to the abortion mill yesterday, pleading for lives, trying to save babies, reaching out to these mothers. Good time. That's awesome, man. Now, now, talk to me a little bit. Tell me about like uh, how this, you know, uh, the outreach in front of the strip club. That's kind of like uh, a ro- a newer thing that our yeah. church is doing. Yeah. Tell yeah. me a little bit about it's that. It's a really good one. It's it's very similar to our abortion mill outreaches, if you've ever been out to that, but it's basically just one commandment over. So, abortion mill, we're, we're preaching on the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. Seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. Letting people know what Jesus actually says in his word, that if you even lust after another person, you're committing adultery in the heart. Um, definitely in the in the advanced category because of the things you see out there. Sure. Um, but it's uh, it's a very fruitful ministry. Like one of the, I think the first time we went out there, we actually had a guy come out of the strip club in tears, he was emotional, um, you know, was just, God was just convicting his heart right in that moment, and then both me and Pastor Zach were like, yeah, this is something we need to do, we need to be out here preaching the gospel, helping out these, not only the men going in there, but also the women that work there, trying to offer them help, help them get another job, that kind of thing, so... It's been it's been good. What would you say to other men who are thinking of maybe being involved in a ministry like that? Uh, any advice? Obviously, there's a lot of temptation there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, you know lustful intent going on there. Adultery yeah. of the heart. Right. So, what what uh, kind of recommendations would you have for somebody involved in something like that or interested in getting involved? Definitely got to study up on the word, right? You know, make sure you know your scripture. Make sure you're solid in your own faith too. You know, you want to make sure if you're going out there and you struggle with the same temptations. You know, you could also use that to your advantage as well. Um, saying, you know, I, I struggle with these things too. We all do. We're men. And the Bible tells us to flee from sexual morality. Um, just make sure you're really praying about it, just being with God, helping Him, having Him give you the words, the wisdom. Sure. Try not to rely on your own strength, you know. Make sure you rely on the Spirit's strength. I would say that's, that's most of all. Um, and then just really have an attitude of speaking the truth with love out there. Sure. That's, that's, that's the most important thing I would say. And probably not going out by yourself and oh, probably yeah, getting the approval of your church. Mm-hmm. So your elders are praying for yep. you, overseeing yep. what you're yep. doing. Make sure you let your church know. Make sure you get the approval of your elders and um, definitely go out in pairs of two. Um, at, at, at least, I would say, two or three just because of the nature of that kind of ministry. So we're coming to a segment now that's called... Who is my daddy and what does he do? Where I want to get to know a little bit about what you do in your family. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm Rob, a.k.a. Rocket Robbie. Um, 
Uh, grew up in Mesa, Arizona. My wife also did too. Got two kids, a two-year-old and a 10-month-old. They're blessings, little arrows in my quiver. Um, I went to Embry-Riddle for my college degree. I got a degree in aerospace engineering. I was AstroTrack. And then I got a master's degree from CU Boulder up in Colorado in astrodynamics and satellite navigation. Okay. Um, I started working different different companies um, up in Colorado. I worked on the GPS program. I did a lot of deep space mission programs, um, including like one of our Jupiter missions. Uh, it's called Juno. A couple wow. of different Mar Mars orbiters as well. I worked on um, Mavens, what it's called, MRO. I uh, worked a little bit on one of the rovers that we sent to Mars. Wow. Um, worked on some contracting as well. We were going to go send a spacecraft out to one of the Trojan asteroids, which haven't been explored yet. They're kind of like hanging out in the Jupiter orbit right there. Wow, okay. Did, did some work on that. And then currently, with my current employer, I uh, do a lot of contracts for NASA. One of the things we do uh, is a... Uh, is a supply run up to the International Space Station. Okay. Uh, we do that twice a year. We have one coming up in the next couple of weeks where we're gonna deliver food, water, different experiments up to the astronauts, up at the ISS. Wow. Um, uh, just, and yeah, it's, it, it's, it's always weird, weird cargo we gotta, we gotta put up there. It's, it's always interesting. Like this last <laughs> mission, we had, um, there was like 40 mice and rats we had to, we had to ship up there. Okay. Um, Budweiser beer and an easy bake oven. <laughs> so <laughs> you never know what, like, what, what we're going to be sending up. Um, and we're, we're basically just the, the rocket supplier, you know, so we just, we, we coordinate with our, our payload, our spacecraft team, and they just tell us, here's the weight, here's what we're shipping up there. And okay. we, we, we make sure our, our rocket get, can get up there. And my particular job is I'm involved with the navigation part of it, so okay. I'm in charge of making sure when the rocket goes up, it's actually going to hit its target. <laughs> and um, it's I always explain it to people it's kind of like like your Google Maps GPS. You know when you're driving somewhere, uh -huh. you pull up your Google Maps and it tells you route by route where to go. Yeah, we basically do the same thing, just all autonomously on a flight computer about 600 times a second. So wow, every every uh, cycle uh, we're saying this is where I'm pointed, this is where I am in space. I feed that to the guidance algorithm, then goes to the control algorithm. We, we move our actuators, we move our thrusters so we can follow on the trajectory wow. to get up to the space station. So so you're actually, when we say, uh, you know, the term, well, you're not a rocket scientist. You are a rocket scientist. You get to work on rocket navigation. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, aerospace engineering is the, the proper term. <laughs> but, I'm backing yeah. off of that. Yeah, that's, that's it's, above it's, it's my pay stuff, grade. Man. It's it's great, and it, it ultimately it, it glorifies God when I'm doing it because a lot of people think you know the the physics side of thing, the space physics side of thing, science in general, that's completely devoid from God. You don't even need God in order to do these things, but right. God is central to all of it. I mean, in order for me to launch a rocket to the space station, I need to depend on the uniformity of nature. Um, that the future will be like the past, what we've done before. We have to rely on our models, making sure our models are going to match what the trajectory is going to be. Right. Um, if all we are just byproducts of random processes, protoplasm bobbing around the chaotic universe, um, the next few seconds, the laws of physics could change. Right. And we're not going to hit the space station. Right. But we, we, we live in a created order. We live in a world where the laws of physics are not going to change. The uniformity of nature is not going to change. We can depend on those same laws in order to in order to hit our target. It's observational science. Basically yeah. at its finest.
So God has created an order. Mm-hmm. Things in the past are going to be like things in the future. It's not it's not changing as far as laws and physics yeah, go. Yeah. And you're you're going to depend on that for your navigation to get from mm-hmm. point A to point B. Mm-hmm. If things are just random and always changing, you're not going to be able to get from point A to point B yeah. based on last calculations right. or something that you've learned yeah so yeah that makes sense man yeah it, 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 it ultimately just glorifies god in the whole process you know and so i'm always amazed that he set up these these laws like that i'm always i'm always amazed and actually if you look back a lot of the um famous physics um fathers i i, I guess you should you'd say fathers of science like isaac newton different guys like that they the whole purpose of science was for them to help understand better the mind of God, mm. how he designed this universe. And that was really the main focus, the main mission. That's what actually um, gave us that big boost in the scientific revolution and era that we have is because we had God-fearing men going into these fields. And even if you go into like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, those kind of universities, You'll see like big um, signs and archways that say like we understand light because of His light, right? Right. Because of God. Yes. And because you think about how complex light spectrums are and studying light, and that's not even possible unless we had a light giver, unless we had a lawgiver, sure, someone that designed it. So that's why it's just it's just so obvious, you know? Yeah. And um, so you're not saying leave your God at the at the door when you walk into this the science room i'm saying you gotta have you gotta depend on god for 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 any of it to work you sure. know he has to be central to all of it yes and, uh, so don't think you're uh say forsaking your faith to go into a scientific field yeah right. uh you don't have to leave that at the door mm-hmm. it's actually glorifying to god he's created mm-hmm. everything he's mm-hmm. given it order yep well, we'll get some more into that a little bit later. Yeah. I want to ask you a little bit more about like your family life, and um, you have two children. You've mm-hmm. been married for how long now? Married since twenty eleven, so nine years now. Nine years. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So it's been great. Yes, I mean, great, challenging, all in between. Yeah. When did you, when did you have your children? Uh, we had Katie in twenty seventeen, August twenty seventeen, and then okay. we just had RJ, our little boy, uh, last year, March tenth. 2019 okay okay so he's 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 coming up on the year so definitely recent we were we were married for a while for about six years before we decided to start having children and um yeah they've been they've been blessings ever since though they've been great awesome awesome Awesome. and i you know we're friends with your family your wife's awesome your children are awesome um you know uh, when when you got married, were you a, a believer? Or was that pre? I was not. Okay. Yeah. So when I got married, um, I would consider myself not full on militant atheist, but pretty close to that. You okay. know, I would. I had Christian friends, people that were that were involved with churches, and actually made fun of them for it all the time. It was it was um, it was such a dramatic swing for me. I didn't get saved until about 2012, beginning okay. of 2012. So it was about I would say like six or seven months after we got married. Um, yeah, we were, uh, me and one of my best friends, was who was a Christian at the time, gave me a book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't agree with all of his theology, but really God used that to kind of just open up my mind, open up my heart, use that to, you know, it was like a light switch, darkness to light in that moment. Yeah. So, um, took the same passion I had for my atheism, just switched it over now to the, to the true God of the Bible, the living God. So... Yeah, just just praise God every day for that. Awesome, man. But 
Awesome. And then, and then uh, your journey kind of began, you said 2012? Yeah, I think so. It was like okay. January 2012, February 2012, something like that. Awesome, man. And now so. been married almost nine years, two yeah. children, yeah. possibly plans for more children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever God wants to bless us with, you know, that's kind of our attitude. So. All right. Right on. Yeah. So now we're at a segment that I like to call best and worst. Yeah. So first, I'd like to hear about your best moment, either as a husband or a father. It is something that stands out to you. Best moment as a father. Um, I mean, like, it's hard to beat the birth of your children, right? And how wonderful that was. And I would definitely say like with Katie, now that she's getting older, she's, she's two years old now and you're starting to see the fruit produced from her, you know, of, of just raising her in a godly way, leading her down the path that God intends us to do has been a tremendous blessing actually seeing that now, you know, yeah. and, and going over different things like the commandments with her loving our neighbor as ourselves, loving people the way Jesus loved us, that kind of thing. And right. You're starting to see that now with, with Katie. And I, I think that's just one of those moments, I think, as a dad, especially a reformed dad, you know, you get to see that where it says in Proverbs, you know, that, that lead a child the way that he needs to and he will never depart from it. Sure, sure. Um, starting to start, yeah, it's just, it's just really cool to see that. Yeah. See that taking place. Yeah, there's a difference between telling your child, don't do this, mm-hmm. or giving them the reason behind it right. and and relating that to scripture. Like, yeah. are you glorifying God in your behavior? Right. Are you loving your neighbor as you love yourself? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, um, you know, just the biblical principles behind it besides me just saying, no, don't right. do that. Right. That's not right. And giving her a foundation for where these commands are actually coming from. I'm not just pulling these out of thin air, you know, it's just... It's not like a like a relative morality type thing. It's some standing. We're we're standing on a biblical foundation for it, and yes, and it's 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 really the only way to do it. Is is what is what God says. I mean, you you got to start with the biblical foundation with it, with everything. Yeah. So any kind of question, any kind of issue, concern that pops up, we're like, okay, well, what, what what does the Bible say about that? Let's let's right. look into it. Let's research it. So and it, and it helps too as well as a dad helps also sharpen your faith, gets you into the word a little bit more. Um, so I think God is also able to use that for your, your sanctification as well. Yes, I would absolutely agree. And I would say that it's, there's a difference between saying, well, because I said, and then because Mm -hmm. God said, Mm -hmm. right? Well, because God said, and we say, when we say, because God said, we're actually holding ourselves to a a higher standard as well and it's not our standard Mm -hmm. it's the standard that god gave us so our children know that we're not just saying this because i said so but we also have to adhere as children of god to this this truth that god has given us right we're the heads Mm -hmm. of our household Mm -hmm. but also that we have to ask for our children's forgiveness at times Absolutely. when we're angry. Because we're fallen creatures too. We're we're sinful fallen man, and we're gonna trip up. We're gonna mess up, and and so and, and always trying to also explain that to your children, explaining that to Katie. You know, I'm I'm not perfect. I'm gonna mess up. I'm gonna lose my temper sometimes, and you know, I just have to ask for their forgiveness as well. And and it's it's also one of those sanctification moments too. Just just, yes. just realizing your own fallen nature and how much you're going to depend on God, how much you need his spirit in those, in those moments so much. I see my fallen nature every day with my yeah. kids yeah. every day. Right. Like I see my selfishness, you yep. know, or my yep. anger 
And uh, yeah, well, that's a good segue into uh, what's what is the worst moment that you've experienced as a dad or a husband since you've been married or had children? Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I feel like I don't know. As Christians, we don't really have worst moments or bad moments. We have sanctification moments, right? We have sure. we have times where we think we're just like, oh, I just I can't get through this, but God says I'm I'm there with you, right? I'm sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna step you through this. So I would say one of those biggest moments. I would say like the most terrifying moment was also when my children was born, having the reality like when Katie was born the reality, okay, I have another human being now that I need to be responsible for. Sure. I need to, I need to train. Um, I need to raise her. It's just something clicks in your mind where you're just like, it was, it was terrifying for me at first. I was just <laughs> like, okay, this is real. I'm, I'm, I'm a father now. I have, I have a tremendous responsibility now. Yes. And, um, and ultimately, like you were saying, we're, we're as dads, we are the head of the household. And God's going to come to us. Like, he's going to hold us responsible for yes. the way that our family is shaped. You know, like you think about the Garden of Eden. Um, even though it was Eve that did the, the, the sinning, the tempting, God went to Adam first. Sure. You know? And, yes. And um, I feel like he's going to do that with us, too. Yeah. And he's going to hold, because we are supposed to be the head of, kind of like how Christ is the head of the church, as it says in, yep. in his word. Um, that's our responsibility. And I, and I, I believe it's probably the best and worst moment yes yeah and, and you're so used to living life you and just your wife mm -hmm. and now you had your life set up a certain way where i do this at this time and this at this time right, right. and all of a sudden it's just like all that's done you have to die to yourself you got to die to all those fleshly selfish desires of you know normally when i come home from work i, I want to just veg out i want to just maybe turn on a game just do my own thing yep but you, you, you need to sacrifice that. You gotta you gotta sacrifice that. You have to you know really think about your kids' needs first, and everything else has to come second. Everything else, you know, because your family, your kids have to be your number one priority. It's like yep. doesn't matter what else is going on in your life, and being able to reorient those priorities for me was at first kind of a struggle. But and it's it's always going to be a struggle, right? You're sure. always gonna struggle with that every single day. But you know that's that's just part of that sanctification process that that God makes us go through, refining us. You know, and like refining metal, basically, and yes. that's what I always think of. And yes, that's right. Refining, like refining gold, melting off mm -hmm. the impurities. Yep. Well, man, I want to get to uh, a discussion section of the show. Um, you know, you're you studied science, and uh, you know, we one of the things we wanted to speak about on the show is you know the creation versus evolution, or mm -hmm. how does creation mm -hmm. and science how do they coincide? And we kind of talked about that but we all I want to share with dads you know why it's important that we start with God mm -hmm. uh, even in the area of mm -hmm. science and don't hand uh, our children over to the uh, secular word worldview of uh, millions of years or evolution or yeah. the Big Bang yeah. why is that yeah. important that we start with the foundation of God and kind of talk about the differences and and how even uh, the idea of millions of years and yeah. evolution and things evolving, uh, you know, how that breaks certain laws of uh, mm -hmm. that are in thorough dynamics and right. different yeah. things, yeah. how it doesn't work out. So maybe you can, you, you yeah, know, exactly. you know a lot about that. Why don't you tell us a bit what, what you have to say about that? Yeah, I, th I think it's tremendously important to go back to Genesis, to what God's word actually says, because unfortunately, 
in our in our Christian community, a lot of the times, our kids do have these challenging questions like, what about the dinosaurs? What about radiocarbon dating? What about radiometric dating? What about all these different things? What about when I, when I see these things on television saying that we're just highly evolved apes, that we have a common ancestor between us, the apes and the monkeys, and um, being able to have those answers for them so that they don't they don't go out and try to figure it out on their own and, and go down these paths that aren't going to be based on God's word, based on the biblical foundation. So it's tremendously important as parents, as fathers, we be able to instruct them from God's word. And that's why the ministry of Answers in Genesis is so valuable, mm-hmm. so awesome. They have a ton of information out there on um, all these different questions, you know, about because I, I think one of the number one questions kids always have is what about the dinosaurs? What sure. happened to them? We have to look back in Genesis. What happened? There was a there was a worldwide flood. There was a global flood of, of, of Noah's days. And and um, and if you if you look at it through that biblical worldview, the science makes sense. Everything we see makes sense. We see billions of dead things covered by water rapidly all over the world. Yeah. Um, and you're 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 gonna hear a lot of different things as well, like just let the evidence speak for itself. Let the science let the fossil record speak for itself. Right. Well, Don't bring God into yeah, it. Yeah, that's let's, what. Let's look at this. That's here. what you're going to hear a lot from the secular world. But if but if you really look into it, fossils don't speak. And if they do, you should probably go see a psychiatrist, right? <laughs> like if if you have bones talking to you, that's probably yeah. that's probably a problem. They're probably speaking the language yeah. you speak too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why a worldview is so important. Yes. Um, essentially, when you see. When you see things in the news like, well, science says this, science says that. No, science doesn't say anything. Science is a tool. It's a method. It's knowledge. Scientists interpreting the evidence that way has said this. Right. Based on their assumptions, based on their worldview. Because we all look at the, we all look at the evidence. It's all the same evidence, the same bones, the same rock layers, but we have a different worldview. Right. We we start with a biblical worldview. Right. Whereas the the atheist, the evolutionist, will start with his assumptions, with his presuppositions. Yes. Um, so we're we all have the same evidence that we're looking at. We can all agree that there's bones, that there's rock layers, that that this was laid down. But now it's once you go past that, now you're getting into what's called historical science, and okay. and so you you we really got to differentiate what we mean by science and what, and what that actually uh, means. So there's, there's essentially two different categories. We have observational science, like sure. And real real quick with worldview, what we're, what we're essentially saying is you're looking through a lens, your worldview shapes looking through a lens, right? Absolutely. And you're looking either through a Christian lens Mm -hmm. or a creationist lens or you're looking through uh, a secular humanist right. lens, which is saying there yeah. is there is no God, so we have to I, I have to explain this mm-hmm. that way or interpret it that way. Absolutely. Or you're looking at it through a biblical worldview, and you're saying right. I'm going to explain this based on what God's word says, and starting there yeah. worldview. Yeah, absolutely, it comes down to man's word versus God's word. Really, that's 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 the ultimate foundation here. That's the ultimate yes. thing that we're that we're dealing with. Which what's what's going to be your authority? Um, is it going to be what man says? Does man determine truth? Does man define truth? Yes. Or is, does it come down to the one, the all-knowing, inerrant, omnipresent, omnipowerful God who actually uh, sustains this world, sustains this universe by the power of his word? And um, So I didn't want to get you off, though. So you, you were saying the difference between observational science 
and historical yeah. science. So tell yeah. us about that because that, that, I'd like to hear about that, that. That's a big one. So as you're as you're training up your kids as a father, you need to really make sure you you define those terms for them because you're they're, they're going to hear science buzzwords all the time, all the time when they're out there in the world, from the secular media, from the news. So you really got to differentiate observational science, which is um, you know your your typical method, scientific method it has to be testable, observable, has to be repeatable. Um, you essentially set up a hypothesis. You 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 set up your test. You 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 make your results, um, and it's basically what what sends up rockets to the international space station. It's how we get men onto the moon. It's all great observational science. Which evolution is not observational because you correct. can never observe that, right? That's correct because they look at these things through their evolutionary worldview, and you have to make assumptions, right? That's now you're going into historical science. Now you're having to. Um, and with, with, with evolution, with, with different dating methods, you're, you're also mixing in observational science as well because you're having to, um, uh, to do the chemistry tests on, on whatever the, the specimen is. For example, like if you're trying to figure out the age of a rock, um, you're, you're using observational science to try okay. to, to try to test it. So dating something is mm-hmm. observational. Well, yeah, to, to that point, just okay. being able to actually test it, but past that, um, when you start bringing in assumptions into it, for example, like the radiometric dating, um, now you're getting into the realm of historical science. Now you're okay. having to say um, you're, you're you're depending on uniformity that the that the rates have always been the same in in, in the past, um, and ju- yeah. So just an example with with the radiometric dating, they typically have what's called parent and they have daughter isotopes. So when you look in the world. Um, you see different elements over time, they will decay into more stable elements. So for example, uranium will decay into lead over time. Okay. Um, so they, they, they look at these different things and they say, okay, if I can test that this element will decay over this time frame, I can just ex- extrapolate that and just say, well, if I find this many parent isotopes, this many daughter ones, um, I can make an assumption and say, Based on that ratio, this is how old this piece of rock is. But they, okay. they fail to really understand the assumptions behind that. How many parent, how many daughter isotopes were there from the beginning? Has the rate of change always been constant? Um, and has anything affected that ratio as well? Okay. Um, so you're saying bridging the gap is the historical yeah. science. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So trying to understand things that happened in the past. Now you're going into historical science because nobody was there to observe it. There's no one there to test it. So you make assumptions. Is that what you're saying in that part part of science? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But the the cool thing is, is, is as Christians, we, we know and we realize there was someone there that saw it all happen. And that's why we have to stand on God's word. Um, you know, it's, it's like, it's like looking at a, like a famous building, like the Eiffel tower, for example. Um, you know, with observational science, we can determine how tall of the tower is. We can determine where it's located. We can determine how big it is, what the size of it, what type of material it has. But how, how do we actually know when, when it was built? How do we know who built the, the, the tower? We have to okay. now go back to historical, historical records, records to see that. Sure. Um, so in our case, we got to go back to the history of it. We got to go right. back to Genesis. And Genesis is actual history. It's not just, right. a, not just a poetic piece of literature. It's actually written in a historical manner. Yes. Um, and so that's how we have to see how to get these answers. And so when we're raising up our children, we need to be able to get back to that, have the answers that they need for those kind of things. And 
because um, no doubt they're going to be experiencing that in the world. And, yes. And it's just going to be a tremendous blow to their faith if you don't have the answers and you just give them kind of like these lukewarm answers of just have faith, right? Just right. believe in Jesus. Right. Yeah, we don't um, have to have any, uh, we don't have any intelligence behind this. We just right. have blind faith. Right, right. And that's not... And that's going to be super damaging right. for your child. And, and that's why it's so important that they... That as fathers, we get trained up, we get that knowledge as soon as possible. So because the humanist worldview, that's blind faith. That truly yeah, is blind absolutely. faith because they're just making yeah. assumptions based on assumptions. Right, right. Right. They're not making assumptions based on his much historical mm-hmm. record, right, mm-hmm. of yeah. the foundation of the earth or why things are uniform or how we can do testing and observe things. Like they're not, they're just making assumptions, right? Yeah. Well, we think... Right. But it becomes you fact. Hear a lot of those, a lot, a lot of those key words. Well, perhaps this happened. This might have happened. Um, but it's funny. Like you, you talk to people though, and they're like, "It's, it's absolute fact." It's an absolute, and it's, it's being taught fact. in schools. And they, and they, they teach them in schools that evolution is just as much fact as gravity is. Right? It's, right. it's, it's a law basically. Um, but then when you really start getting into it, start asking them questions. Well, have we ever, have we ever observed? life coming from non-life have we ever seen information being added to the genetic code to that that genetic sequence we've never seen any kind of an observable process that does that so it's it's essentially another religion it's a faith and that's why when you talk to evolutionists about that they get very defensive because you're you're attacking their faith you're attacking their religion their worldview yes um so that's really what it comes down to we all have a worldview of something now let's take a step back and see which foundation actually makes things possible right like which which one you're standing on isn't going to just crumble right immediately that's why it all comes back to your presuppositions yes Uh, or or are you standing on a presupposition that doesn't even have a foundation whatsoever we have one you don't yours is is fact ours you see is a fairy tale so we're teaching this as fact in schools Mm -hmm. to our children and they're getting confused and saying mom dad what's going on here absolutely right and it's 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 really unfair for the child too because they're they're in i don't know how many hours during the week when they're getting indoctrinated in that secular system whereas you get them maybe for an hour or two at night and then maybe on the weekends and that's really about it other uh, everything else during the week they're in that classroom they're getting indoctrinated with all the secularism the humanism yeah um the naturalism that's happening um and and they're and they're they're teaching it as fact and um it's always funny because the the school systems are always saying like well, let's let's keep religion out of it right but they're actually te- they're just saying they're teaching their religion i want to just teach my religion right Every, everything else is 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 off the board you can't do that and as ken ham would say there's two religions right there's christianity or i believe god yeah. or there's secular yeah. humanist right right that's really what it comes down to every every other man-made idol man-made religion that's out there it's either gods or not gods that's it. right it's god said or i said yeah right? man said god said god's word versus man's word that's really what it comes down to and um of course as sinful human fallen beings as, as us we always want to take that authority back we want to be sovereign over our own lives and you, you see that all the way back to the beginning of genesis even with adam and eve the first words that Satan said was, did God really say? Right. Right? Did God really say? He's been using that same tactic for thousands of years with us. 
he's saying, did God really say that he made the earth and just, he made everything around us, the entire universe in just six days? Are you sure? Right. Are I those really those six days yeah, or exactly. is it six million years? And right. I think that brings me to a point I want to talk about now, the creation versus evolution where we try to mix Christianity mm-hmm. into a secular humanist worldview right. and say, well, those six days were six million years. Yeah. So let's talk kind of about this creation versus evolution or the mixing of the two where we mm-hmm. take uh, Christianity that said God created all things and all of a sudden we make the six days of creation the seventh day which he rested, and we say millions of years. Why Why is that a problem, and, and how does that not line up? Can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it's so interesting how that's, how that's developed, where it should really be the opposite, right? We should be driving the other way. What, is, what does God say? What does the Bible say? Now we need to fix our methods. But instead, we're saying, okay, these so-called scientists, um, these, these guys in these fields are saying, well, this is how it really should be. How can we now reinterpret the Bible to fit those secular ideas and right. trying to piecemeal that together? And really, I think it comes down to a gospel issue. It's really, it's really a very foundational issue because if you believe in the millions of years, if you believe in evolution that's happened over that time, then that means you've had death, you've had suffering, you've had cancer, you've had all these horrible things for millions of years. Um, you've had uh, dying and all these different things. And and whereas God says when he created these things, they were very good. Right. So, so, so you're saying that God created cancer, created death and suffering. And, right. And you even see like di- diabetes in these dinosaur bones and everything. You're, you're, you're saying that God called that very good. Right. You know, and so and then um, and if there was death and suffering before Adam and Eve sinned, uh, what did Christ really die for? Right. Because sure. death has been around for so long. And um, there's actually a lot of. Christian movements happening today where uh, they recognize this and so they essentially have to change the gospel now. They have to say mm-hmm. Christ didn't come to die for your sins to, to, to pay the penalty uh, for, for, for death. No, he, he came just as a, as a good model. Right. Just, just, just as a good role Show us model. how to live. Show us how to live type of thing. And so that's really the, the end result of what happens right here. So now you're not even believing in the true gospel anymore and you're not believing in the sacrificial um, atonement that Christ uh, accomplished right. for us, and right, um, yeah, you don't you don't believe Genesis pretty much because right. what we're saying yeah. is it's the foundation for everything. It's the foundation for everything, yeah. and what and what Scripture says is that everything was good until Adam and Eve sinned against God. Then sin entered the world, and death right. entered the world. Right. right, it's very clear on that. Death did not exist until the fall, until Adam and Eve sinned. Right. Um, so you're essentially calling God a liar in His Word and what He's what He's laid out. Um, so yeah, you you, you got to always go back to God's Word. Read it the way it was supposed to. Uh, read it in a biblical manner. Genesis was written in a historical manner. Was. Um, you, you you hear a lot of times as well. They try to say it's a poetic, um, right? T- you know, type of writing, but it's not. I mean, you, even if you go to like the most traditional um, Hebrew Jewish rabbis out there they would never say that right and and the word used for day is yom was day yeah it's 24 hour period mm-hmm. so now we're changing the language right, right. to fit the secular worldview right the absolutely. humanist worldview absolutely another argument uh that we have is that god's seven days of creation set a foundation for our living right it's uh, the Sabbath day, the day in which right. he rested. Absolutely. Do we rest for for a million years? 
yeah, you, yeah, you, it's, it's just ridiculous. Right. You, it's, you hear it, those kind of arguments and, and then I, I, I always like to ask people, um, you know, I, the, the idea of the month, right. That comes from the, the lunar cycle. The idea of a year comes from the sun's, uh, the earth's rotation around the sun. Um, the term day comes from our revolution around, uh, the spinning earth. Um, but the idea of the week, where does that come from? Like, where did where, where did we even get that from? Right. That we have um, you know, six days to do our work and then the, the seventh to, right. to, to rest. And, you know, that that really came down to what God set up in his word. Um, he, he modeled the way that we need to. And, and you even see that in, in, in Exodus, uh, I think it's chapter 20, right? When he, when, when Moses is giving out those commandments, he's actually reiterating what Genesis already said. He said um, that God created in six literal days. Sure. And that's how we are also to, um, to, to model our lives as well. So a lot of the times, you know, when, when people bring up the whole Genesis thing, the gap theory and everything saying that the, the days weren't really 24 hour days, point them to Exodus, Exodus chapter 20 or whatever it is. When, when Moses actually says in six literal days, this happened. Yes. Um, and really also when you get into that whole gray area of, of the millions of years, the evolution, now you have to start also questioning the, the, the global flood that happened, right? The flood of Noah's day. Right. Um, because now you're having to go into the realm of, well, maybe the flood was just a local flood, you know? Yeah. Maybe it was just around that area. Um, and so it, it really starts, starts corrupting your, your entire knowledge of the Bible and all these different store, all these different, uh, chapters and books. And once you open up the door a little bit, well, now you can start reinterpreting the rest of the Bible as yeah. well. And, and, you know, um, it's, it's funny because you talk to Christians and like, yeah, they, uh, they believe, yep, Jesus was raised from from the dead, you know, and the resurrection of, of the death. And and you think about how scientifically impossible that is, right? Sure. But then, and then they'll say, but there's no way God could have created everything in six days. You know, it's, so sure. it's, it's very inconsistent when you think right. about it that way. Yes, it fits it fits their their arguments, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the, the global f- flood, too, that's important to talk about because we found fossils of fish and 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 sea creatures at the tops of mountains yeah you know like what's the explanation in that how Mm. uh even the the global flood explains how bones can be preserved Mm -hmm. right how things happen very quickly got washed over very quickly by a catastrophic flood um how can preserve things what's the answer from the you know evolution I, i know they have you know their thoughts about it yeah. But it's like ideas without a foundation. Us, we don't have to change what scripture says to fit and make it work. Mm-hmm. It, it works. Right. You know what I mean? It, it's just reiterating what God said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about evolution to the idea there of things changing from one species into another. But more so, I wanted to talk about how uh, evolution breaks the first two laws, I believe, of thermodynamics. Yeah. Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, there's bit? actually four laws of thermodynamics. They have the zeroth law, which basically talks about the thermal equilibrium of systems. Uh, the first law basically talks about energy cannot be created or destroyed. It just basically takes another form, basically. Okay. Um, that that heat energy just can't come out of nowhere, basically. Is, is, is I always think of it in the analogy as like you have 
30 bricks and you can rearrange those, thir those 30 bricks, but you can't create or destroy those bricks with what you're building. Um, the second law is the law of entropy, basically. It's, it's that um, systems will always move towards disorder or chaos. They will never um, go the other way, and they'll always reach some kind of a maximum en entropy value. And then you got the third law, basically talks about uh, when you get close to absolute zero, then your entropy starts to minimize at that point. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and based on, on the first and second law, energy cannot be created or destroyed, and entropy always uh, creates disorder and chaos. By those two factors alone, that pretty much discredits evolution completely. The problem is when you bring that up to an evolutionist, they're going to have a rescuing device for that. Um, no matter what thing you bring up, they're always going to have a rescuing device for it. So kind of trying to explain, though, so you, what you're saying is for the second law, of the way that I understand it is that things are going to break down and decay. Mm -hmm. They're not going to evolve and become mm -hmm. more complex. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And so actually when you, when you look at it, um, us as Christians, absolutely, we believe in variation within a kind, right? We see, um, you know, uh, different species of cats, different species of dogs and everything. And, and we, we see that adaptation. We see that variation, you know, where, where you even think about Darwin's finches, right? Um, their beaks were changing, but at the end of the day, they were still what? They were birds. They're still birds. Right? Um, cats stay cats, dogs stay dogs, horses stay horses, cows stay cows. You see the variation within the kind, absolutely. But we don't see cats turning into dogs. We don't see horses turning into fish or, or whatever. And, and, um, we, we, we don't see those, those different kinds happening. And even in the fossil record, we don't see that either. Right. Um, in, in the fossil record, we see the dog kind, we see the cat kind, and we see all these different different kinds, basically. And that's exactly okay. what God created back in the original, Whole. Um, the original creation. If you actually look back in Genesis, he created every animal of their kinds, right? right. And even on Noah's Ark, you'll hear a lot of things about it would be impossible for every single species to fit on the ark, but actually they are misreading that. It's every kind, kind of, of animal. animal went on right. the ark. So there was there was just male and female cat, male and female dog, right. and it was every kind. And from there, you can see the tremendous variation within that kind. Sure. And, um, but yeah, I, I would say one of the main things for evolution, in order for it to be true, is you have to see the additional information added to the genetic added code. Added to the you, genetic code, okay. um, Which we've never observed. We, we, we always see the decay of that information. We, we always see like just mutations of that information, right? Rearranged information. Um, and that, that goes right along with those, with those two laws of, of thermodynamics where you can't add information to a genome and, and essentially it's just rearranged information. Okay. And, um, as, a, as a software programmer myself, you know, you, you, um, in order to create information, in, in order to create code language, you have to have someone writing that code. Sure. That code is not going to just pop not up. Not going to come up. It's not going to just arise from non-life. It's, 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 uh, it's actually a scientific impossibility for, for life to come from non-life. Right. Um, so we're breaking the first two laws of thermodynamics. Are you saying the first three? First two. First yeah, two yeah. with evolution, saying that mm. things evolved into more complex creatures, right? right. And then we're saying, work. and then we're saying that uh, nothing created something. Yeah. So Which is so ludicrous to think. So we're we're based on science, evolution, 
is impossible. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's, it's even, even if you were to give yourself trillions of years, it still wouldn't happen. Right. Um, you, uh, it's essentially you see a watch in the forest. You're not going to think that watch just put itself together. Right. You know, you, you, you have all these pieces and, and stuff together. Um, and it, it, it requires a mind to actually put together, to work, to function, to operate. And you, you see even down to our, our simplest life forms, you even look at bacteria and our single cell organism, you see how tremendously complex they are with, um, with the information that they have. And you see language in, into, the, into the DNA and um, yeah, you, you essentially see software code down there, which is just amazing. It's, it's just mind boggling yeah. for, for me just to think about. So basically what we're saying is keep your Christian children out of public school. Get them out. Because they're <laughs> teaching the way, this man. as facts. Yeah. And this I would just, is the way uh, things are. Yeah, and I, I would just encourage all the parents, all the dads out there, don't let the secular society bully you around with these things. Um, have that biblical foundation because not only does it help your children, but it also will help reaffirm your faith as well because you're yes. going to have these questions too. And, and by looking into it yourself, looking into the Word, what God says, that's going to help you as well. Absolutely. Um, become a better leader yeah. in your home. And don't get pushed to try to alter things to make them fit what school has to say. So here's what we're saying. Take your kids out of public school because they're teaching them lies. Do the hard work, teach them at home. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that is more difficult obviously, and it's more sacrifice, but God has called us to raise our children up in truth and instruction of God. If we're raising them up in a secular worldview, because that's what we're doing in public schools, we're not doing that. We're, We're teaching them contrary to scripture and as Vodi Bakum says if you send your children to Rome to be educated to Caesar to be educated they're going to come back speaking like Romans and we're going to have to battle that in our Christian households sending them off to college if we don't give them a foundation you know if we're not giving them a foundation of truth um they're not going to know how to deal with these things that they're going to have to answer and talk about. So some resources, um, you talked about answers in Genesis. That's a great place to go. Another one is ICR Institute of creation research. Um, Jason Lyle has a lot of good stuff as well. All of, um, and I have this book set actually little promo for answers in Genesis. This is for kids. Yeah. Uh, it's a book set, uh, answers. And it's also very useful for parents too, because it actually, it, it makes it into more layman terms that anyone really can understand too. Yes. And, um, you, you mentioned Jason Lyle. Yeah. Jason Lyle is a great one. Anything from Ken Ham's good. Um, yeah, just, uh, answers in Genesis. They just, they have just tremendous amount of information out there. You can just, basically type in whatever question you have and most likely they'll have an article for it. Yep, and great YouTube, a lot of teachings on YouTube. I learned a lot from doing a little bit of research there. Yeah, Yeah. they're amazing. And yeah, and just just, um, going back to the whole school system, the the secular school system, it's really not up to the state to educate our children. That's never been a biblical foundation. It's up to the family, it's up to the parents to to educate their children. Um, And you always have to go back to what scripture says. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Right. In Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I always wonder if if Christians really take that seriously. You know, the ones that actually send their kids to the, to the secular system. Um, do you really believe that it's starting with God for right. all wisdom and foundation? 
you're having your children, in the words of God, you're having your children raised by fools, claiming to be wise, they became yeah. fools. So our children, our educators of our children are fools in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. Us as parents are sending them off to be educated by them. Mm-hmm. And we think that that's okay because of our convenience is yeah. really what it comes down that's to. That's really what it comes down to. I, w- I would say most of the time. Um, I wouldn't say every case is like that. You know, we, sure. we, we of course, can't make a blanket blanket statement like that. I'm right. sure there's a lot of different situations. Single moms. Why. And yeah, you know, sometimes both parents have to work and they have to send their kids somewhere, right? And so I totally, totally get that, totally understand that. I'm talking about the ones that are in a situation. They're set up to actually educate their kids and they choose not to. Sure. Because of their convenience, of course. And, and make sacrifices, right? Yeah. Like... What's more important, that my child is raised with a biblical foundation or that we have two cars, yeah. right? Or that we have a big house. Like, nothing is more important than how I take care of my wife, God says, and my children, my first ministry. It's your priority, man. Yeah. So, like, if I got to start cutting some things, mm-hmm. if I got to start getting rid of some things mm-hmm. so that my child um, will be raised up in a way, I mean, this is our children's eternity right yeah god is the one who saves but he has called us to raise them a certain way yeah right and um make sacrifices for that you know i i uh i I think about that a lot it's like i don't want to trade personal comfort and convenience in for my child the way my child is raised and that's really what it comes down to right yeah yeah comfort you're, you're you're essentially bowing down to the god of convenience the god of selfishness the god of self um, is really what it comes down to, and you're setting up an idol in your life when that happens. And God does not speak very well against idolatry, that's for sure. Right? Yeah. And there's consequences to that, yeah. right? That's why we see in our nation how many kids, by the time they hit high school, mm-hmm. are dropping, you know, have want nothing to do with God. And, yeah, right. Um, right. Like, we're asking ourselves, why is that happening? Well, how are our children being raised? So we're to a section of the show you know we've we've talked a little bit about um you know some resources that uh, people can have Mm -hmm. uh, for for raising their kids getting these answers about dinosaurs and creation versus evolution easy Mm -hmm. answers and we talked about a little bit about this answers book answers in genesis this Mm -hmm. is a uh for kids but it's really good for adults i was learning from this as well as i go over it with my kids because it puts things in layman's terms so i have a a few what i want to call rapid fire questions for you from this and uh, i'll pull those up and uh, have a little bit of fun here with these questions oh man i don't know if i'm ready (laughs) well we're gonna test we're gonna test your knowledge here so hold on one second pull this out All right, so here's our rapid-fire questions. I'm going to pull out a book from this Answers in Genesis box set, and I have a couple questions for you. So the first one I'm going to pull up on page 8, and this is a question from Kimberly W., who's 7 years old, from Georgia. Yeah. Her question is, did Adam and Eve have a belly button? I don't think so. I mean, it's just if you if you look back at the original creation story, it's they were created from the dust, right? Adam was created from the dust, and then Eve was created from Adam's rib. And really, the only reason why we have a belly button is because that's where the umbilical cord was when we're in our mother's womb. It's like the scar left over from that. So, um, yeah, I, I would say they probably did not. All right. And it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, just like you said. 
and man became a living being. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man he made into woman, Genesis 2, 7. So you are correct right. as according Did to this. Okay. Got one. All right. <laughs> so then question two is on page 34. This comes from Heidi C. She's 10 years old from Ohio. Did bumblebees have stingers before Adam and Eve sinned? That's a good question. I want to say they probably did, but uh, I wouldn't think they used it for harm, though, right? Because there was no there was no pain or any kind of suffering at all before the fall. So they probably did have stingers, but maybe they had a different purpose for them. That's what I would say. Okay. What's the answer? <laughs> it says, for we know, uh, Romans 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together till now. Because of Adam's sin in the garden, we do not live in a perfect world. We really can't imagine what a perfect world would be like. We know there was no, there was no violence and no death. We, would, we wouldn't expect this from a loving, living, life-giving God. Mm -hmm. Our scripture verse tells us, that the whole creation is affected by sin, and that includes yeah. bumblebees. So when we consider the stingers, all of us wonder the same thing that you've asked, Heidi. I think it's likely that bumblebees had what we now call stingers before sin, but they weren't used to harm anything. All right. All right. Two for two. <laughs> all right. I'm going to get another book here. Set this one out. All right. Let's see what we got here. It says, uh, page five. I'm reading that correctly. Yeah, book seven, page five. Book seven, page five. Here we go. This is from Kylie, who's six years old. How old is the earth in the universe? Uh, well, based on, on biblical standards, it's it's definitely on the order of thousands. Um, some estimates say between six to 8,000. Sometimes it's as much as 10,000 is what I've seen out there. And, and how we know that is based on the, the chronology of, of this person died, this one was born. And basically you, you look at the Bible and you're able to add up all those ages and they were able to come up with 6,000 years, give or take roughly. something, roughly. Okay. Very contrary to what the secular world says, right? That millions of years. Millions, billions of years, 14 billion years, which is which that number is always changing too. If you, if you sure. look at almost every every year, every month, they're always changing that number. It's always a <laughs> shifting goal, but they call it fact. <laughs> Perfect. That's fact. Okay. So uh, what you said, without reading the whole page, okay. it says that everyone agrees that Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Jesus, and Jesus lived about 2,000 years ago. So if you add up six days plus 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham plus 2,000 years from Abraham to Christ, plus 2,000 years uh, from Jesus until today, you get about 6,000 years. Mm -hmm. So when you start with the Bible, the earth and the universe are about 6,000 yeah. years old. Yeah, which actually observational science confirms all the time. Every time we, we see these evidences, even down the fossil records too, we see soft tissue, we see blood vessels in these dinosaur bones that are supposed to be 65 million years, and after that time, there should be no soft tissue left in that. So, I mean, constantly we're always seeing evidence of a, of a young earth, of a young universe. And, um, yeah, I, I could spout out all day on the yeah. different evidences. But, yeah, if, if people want to know more, go to the Answers in Genesis. They actually have a whole page dedicated to that. All the different scientific evidences we see that actually confirms a young earth, that actually our earth is on the order of thousands of years. 
All right, one more question here. Oh, no, I got two more. All right, let's see what we got. Page 22. All right, next question. This is from Annie, who's 10 years old. Did cavemen exist? The cavemen exist. I guess, uh, well, I mean, men have lived in caves, right? I mean, that's, that's always been around. Um, I think where that question probably comes from is from the evolutionary worldview that somehow over time, man has evolved into a higher type of species, basically. But if you actually go back to God's word, we're all one race, right? We're all descended from one set of parents, which then was reduced to eight with, with Noah and his family. So um, the so-called cavemen, the Anerthals that we see, they are humans. They are people descended from Adam and Eve. Um, so I, I wouldn't I would just say that there were men living in caves, I guess, because yes. we do see that. We, we, we do find fossils of men living in caves. I mean, even King David, I think, was living in caves for a while, too. Sure. So, I mean, it's when you, when, you, when you think about those kind of things, so, um, and all the other prophets and, and everything, you know, it's... Um, so the answer is there was people living in caves, but not, not necessarily cavemen as we yeah. look at in evolution. That's your yeah. answer? I would say so, yeah. Just okay. just defining our terms, what we mean by cavemen there. Okay. Yeah, it says, the verse is, And there, there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? First Kings 19.9. Oh, okay. yeah. There we go. So I presume this question is meant, this is what it says, to refer to the missing link between man and ape-like creatures. Right, yeah. In this case, no, missing links are not going to be found. There is no step-by-step Ape right. to human intermediates. That's right. And actually, um, if you if you actually study it, the evolutionists actually don't think that we evolved from apes or monkeys. They think we had a common ancestor. So it's like you have a common ancestor that branched off from humans to apes to monkeys, basically. So, okay. um, yeah, you always got to be careful with how you word that, too. So Because one of the, thing, the things some Christians will also bring up to evolutionists, they'll say, well, if we evolved from monkeys, why are there so monkeys around? So that's actually a very inaccurate statement. They would say we came from a common ancestor. So Okay. And this so last question that I have for you comes from Dusty Marshall, who's age oh, 35. Man. And the question is, who would win in a fight? Ken Ham or Bill Nye, the science guy? Oh, Ken all the way, man. <laughs> Got a root for the, uh, the Australian, the Aussie. <laughs> Awesome, dude. Well, thanks for uh, taking that little fun trip that we had. Yeah, that, little, uh, that was a good debate, too. I don't know if you saw that between Ken and Bill Nye. I have seen that. It's pretty good. They've had that debate, and then what Ken Ham uh, or uh, Bill Nye actually came to the came Creation to the Museum and yep. the art. Yep. Yeah. So. And what I love about that debate, too, is Ken Ham he kept bringing it back to the gospel. He kept bringing it back to Jesus Christ. Because you think about all of the people that were watching it that continue to watch that. They get to hear about God's word. They get to hear about truth. They get to hear about Christ and what he did for us. And so I really love that Ken did that. And we need to do debate. the same, right? Absolutely. It yeah. always has to be back to God said right. or you said. We always need to take yeah. it back to that Absolutely. because that glorifies God. That is always our foundation and our mm -hmm. answer. And we don't need to go anywhere else like Nietzsche yeah. said or yeah. so-and-so right. said. It's like, no, God said. Uh, and there's evidence, obviously, to back that up and science to back it up. Mm -hmm. But it has to begin with that foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Science is not even possible without starting with God and his word. That's what I've always, I've always remembered. I've always thought of, um, yeah, just 
even laws of logic, reasoning is not even possible unless you start with God's word, unless you start with a biblical foundation and the true God of the Bible too. Um, is the only one that really makes sense of any of that. Yeah, and there's that is the only one that gives us reasons for looking into these things. Mm-hmm. If it's all random and nothing matters, right. why do we care? Right, exactly. Yeah. Why do we care? So we're coming to a segment of the show that I like to call the Wheel of Groom. So let me get out the Wheel of Groom. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Alrighty. Throw this bad boy up. And uh, as you can see, we have some different challenges on here, different games. Sweet. And uh, we'll have you, I'll have you spin this. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you win the game, that you can take, then you can take your Reformed Dad's mug home with you. If you lose the game, you have to eat three disgusting jelly beans from the Bean Boozle Jelly Beans game where we have really terrible jelly beans. Let me see here. Uh, Spoiled milk is one of the flavors on here. Delicious. All right, so we'll get into the spin first. So why don't you go ahead and spin the Wheel of Groom. Go ahead. All righty, here we go. Like, okay, let's give it a big one. Yeah, get a big one. There we go. Truth Truth or dare? dare. Oh man. All right, I'm gonna move this over here. I'm gonna get out the old truth or dare game. Okay, so here's the truth or dare game, as you can see over here. And what's gonna happen is we're each gonna get three cards okay. uh, and in those three cards there's truth or dare questions but there's also trivia questions that are going to determine which one that we do okay All if right it's a truth man. or a dare so I'm going to give you one one two two three three we're going to each get a truth or dare card Sweet. okay and then I'm going to get the trivia cards I think actually we're just gonna pull depending on whose turn it is. Okay, so here's what happens. I I will ask you the first trivia question, and then if you get it wrong, then I'm going to ask you a truth question. Okay? If you get it right, you ask me a dare question. And I, it, here's how it goes. I can say I'm not going to answer it. You can say I'm not going to answer it. Or you can say I'm not going to do that dare. If you okay. do, the person gets to lay down two cards, right? The goal of the game is to get rid of all the cards in your hand, the truth or dare cards. Okay. So if I, if I reject it, you can put two cards down. If I, like I do it, like you put this round here. <laughs> we can, we can. We'll we'll do it. We'll just go. We'll, we'll get it as it goes. So I'll pull up the yeah. first trivia card. Cool. Okay. Do All right. Cards here. Yeah, you can look at your truth or dare cards. Which singer established herself as the original American Idol? I, I don't know any of the singers of American Idol. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. That okay. was a manly question. Yeah, Real manly. It was, it was. So I'm going to ask you a truth question. Okay. All right, and you can pick anyone in your hand. In, oh, in, in my hand? I'm, I'm in, okay, in my okay, hand gotcha. when I'm asking you the question. Gotcha. So, if your life were a movie, what rating would the cr- critic give it and why? Before I was a Christian or after? <laughs> life, we'll go, with, we'll go with life now. Life now, I would say 
Probably PG, I would hope at least, you know. I would Why? Um, you know, it all it always goes back to his his commandments, right? His his worldview, God's worldview, what God says, you know, and, and what what he defines. I I always do my best to rely on the spirit and what he does and you know, I would before I was a Christian I was I would swear nonstop, but now that I'm not a Christian I don't I don't do that anymore and um always try to basically just be an ambassador for Christ, right? We sure. always wanna when we're out in public, when we're doing anything, we always want to be shining that light sure. towards him. So that's what what I always try to PG do. PG rating, no, Maybe. no nudity, no cut, cursing. No, no, unless I'm taking a shower. But and, and but <laughs> you know, you might see some some like action in there from you going to the mill and somebody yeah. trying to assault you. Those parts, <laughs> yeah. Maybe PG thirteen when going to the abortion mill because of the the attacks we get, of course. And sure. I seem to be a punching man. I've got punched twice out there now. Just it was in the chest, so it wasn't too bad. I got hit in the chest once in the shoulder, and there were. They're kind of like these wussy punches. They're like, they're like, eh. like, was that it? You know? <laughs> yeah. All for the sake of Christ, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. So I'm going to put that down. And uh, now you pick up a trivia card and, and okay. you ask me. All righty. Let's see. Um, is it, does it have to be the pink or the blue? Or You can pick. Oh, I can pick. Okay. Um, all right. We'll, we'll do the pink one here. Which British commoner married Prince William in 2012? Oh, I got that. That's, I have no clue. <laughs> Kate Middleton. How could I not know this? Seriously, These are the most right? feminine questions ever. This is a very manly question. You should know that. Right? So you pick, now you pick any uh, truth. Alrighty. Any of your, truth. Okay. Yep. Um, what is the worst trip you have ever been on? The worst trip that I've ever been on was when I was flying with my whole family, my two daughters, Amnesty and Noel were both, I think Amnesty was just almost three and my, and Noel was about one. Mm -hmm. And Amnesty picked, found a morphine pill on the ground on the plane and stuck it in her mouth. And I had to, I, I saw this blue thing in her mouth and I reached in there as fast yeah. as I could, grace of God, pulled it out. And, um, we found, you know, we, we had, we had to do the rest of the flight. I didn't know if she found any other pills or anything on the ground, but literally I saved her from swallowing a morphine pill. But the whole rest of the flight, we had to think like, did she find did any? Did she swallow? From? Where did that come? It was just somebody had dropped it and it was laying on the ground. We confirmed Jeez. through like the the symbols on the pill what it was that it was a morphine pill it's not very common right people just walk around with morphine pills <laughs> i don't know man but it was okay. it was ridiculous yeah. so that was the worst flight that i've been on worst trip gotcha yeah and then is there you a dare after that? that nope you just oh, okay. set it down you get it gotcha. out of your hand and then i kind of wanted next... you to do the dare though <laughs> <laughs> okay um I'm going to go with this question. Which actress played Sam Puckett on iCarly and also on Sam and Cat? I don't even know what any of this <laughs> mean. Dude, it's Jeanette McCurdy. Oh, of course. Duh. I mean, where, where have you that? been? Right, yeah. I'm not into the rock, I guess. All right. So I'll ask you another truth. Oh, was I supposed to discard? Yeah, you discard oh, okay. the one that you asked me. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> If you're feeling down, what food makes you feel better? Oh man, what food? 
I'm like, can't be the good burger, right? I mean, that's that's pretty much. In and out or what a burger? In and out for sure. Gotta go with In and Out. For those that aren't familiar with In and Out, it's an amazing burger chain, amazing burger place. We lived up in Colorado for a while, and they actually didn't have one. And oh man, it was just it was horrible. (laughs) It was big time sanctification for sure. And uh, every time we would fly home to Arizona to visit family, that was like our number one. You did going In and Out. We're off the plane. Where's the closest In and Out? (laughs) Nice, nice. All right, man, your turn. All right, I'll give you an easy one. What epic space saga was created by George Lucas? Star Wars. Yep, there you go. All right, so I get to ask you my dare. Sweet. All right, well, your final dare. (laughs) Conduct an imaginary orchestra. (laughs) (laughs) Do I get to be the conductor? You're the conductor, so you need to conduct the imaginary orchestra. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Yep. Stop that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. All right. Good stuff. Well, I won. Yeah, you did. Killed I me. Put, I, I got two wa- cards left, man. You got two cards left. Well, that's all right. Unfortunately, we're going to bring out the Bean Boozled game for you. I oh, hope man. you don't have a weak stomach because uh, let's just go ahead and open this up. Okay. And uh, you have to eat three. Okay. Uh, and the flavors that we have are, let me hold this up, strawberry banana smoothie or dead fish, oh. juicy pear or booger, buttered popcorn or rotten egg, chocolate pudding or canned dog food, toasted marshmallow or stink bug, coconut or spoiled milk, tutti frutti or stinky socks, peach or barf, Birthday wow. cake or dirty dishwater, blueberry or toothpaste. I'll give you your first spin, sir. How do they even come up with these jelly flavors? That's they, what I want to know. I'm pretty sure they're uh, secular <laughs> humanists and they hate us. Yep, I think so too. <laughs> All right, so just spin. Yep. Looks like we got juicy pear or booger, the little lime green one. Ooh. Go ahead and hold it up for everybody too after you grab it. Is yep. that the green one here? Yep. Okay. Hold one. it up. Let him. Let him see it. All, All right. right. After you. Good. Which one did you get? Was it booger or juicy pear? Yeah, it was a booger. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely not a pear. <laughs> some water now <laughs> <laughs> go for it man I'm gonna refill my reformed dad's mug here there you go that was nasty dude I just can't swallow it right now <laughs> <laughs> you can't you're gonna have to drink it down mm-hmm. alright well that's one down I'm only two down more like to go oh man okay all right, we got either peach or barf. Come on, peach. It's uh. I really don't want to taste this, that. Far. I think it's uh, actually it's the pinkish one here. Yeah, the more pink. I think it's no, no, I'm wrong. It's the orangish, reddish one. Yeah, that's what it looks like. The orangish. Looks like something like that. Like that one, yeah. right? Yep. Okay. So I really either, don't want the barf. Please be peach. There's a possibility that it could be dead fish or strawberry yeah. banana smoothie too. I'm off for strawberry. <laughs> Here we go, ready? Which That's one is peach. it? 
Peach, Jesse, our, our first <laughs> our first guest, Jesse, he got all good flavors, all three oh, of them. Oh, he did? Dang. Yeah. yeah. That's not even fair, then. No. <laughs> all right, one more. Okay. All right, here we go. So it's coconut or spoiled milk. It's the all white, solid white one. Solid white one, okay. Oh, you got one right there. I'll just do this one. Here we go. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Was it spoiled milk? Nope. I'm gonna swallow it. Oh man, that was <laughs> That's terrible. That was the worst one. That was the worst one. Spoiled milk. I bet that was bad. Spoiled milk sounds terrible. Oh, I'm gonna puke. <laughs> that was nasty. <laughs> well, man, thank you. I just you. had to swallow that. Oh man, that was nasty. You just had to get it. Is there an aftertaste? Mm -hmm. I need something to eat. <laughs> All right. Well, 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 you know what? That's where. That's the end of the show. Either way, man. Okay. Well, thank you for being such a good uh, guest. Yeah, and you're welcome. Because either way you lost, we're still going to let you take home the mug. So that's your mug. Sweet. You got one. And uh, this has been Dusty Marshall, my man, Rocket Robbie, Rob Webb. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to leave you with this. Comb out your beard in the way that it should grow. And when it is long, it will not depart from it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in with us, guys. God bless. Cheers, y'all. Addition versus submission Sinners need forgiveness Surrender to his lordship Don't extort the grace he's given See I'm blessed by the one Yahweh All day I'm a wretched sinner Deserve hell for all ways